This is the Baller on a Budget podcast. I'm Eileen, your host and your favorite baller on a budget. This isn't just a podcast about money management. We talk about all the juicy bits that surround money, the taboo, the heartbreak, the struggle, and the ridiculous moments we all face when it comes to saving some extra cash. Ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I I know it's been a bit since the last episode, but whew, I have had a lot of crazy life changes these past few months, and one of them is that I'm single again. So <laughs> I separated from my former partner, and I've moved out to a different town, and I've had to make some really dramatic life changes in my you know, life and financial goals because of this huge change. So I'm sharing this because it is super relevant to today's topic. We have Danny from Pennies to Wealth joining me today, who is a personal finance blogger and influencer whose journey feels eerily close to mine. (laughs) Uh, It's about learning how to financially survive a breakup. She went from living paycheck to paycheck and to now being debt-free and hitting a net worth of over $130,000. She is living that coast fire life and she is thriving as a single woman. She has been like my North Star as I navigate through my own breakup and learning how to be single again. So thank you for joining us today, Danny. Thank you. Oh my gosh, so excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. So tell us about your life story. Let's start there. Oh my gosh, where do we start? <laughs> so like you said, I'm Danny. I was on a really long and debt-free journey. Um, so that's where most people know me from. And I also experienced a really huge breakup and I had to like rebuild my entire life. And so at this moment, I am just, you know, learning more about myself, loving on myself. And it's just a great ride. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us about going through that divorce and what your financial position was and where you were with your career? So I'll start at the beginning. So I got married super early. I was 21 going on 22 years old and we met in college and we just fell into a marriage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I moved to an entire new state. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a network. And so I just struggled to find really meaningful work. And I was getting paid minimum wage most of the time for about four or five years, actually. Um, So I just struggled to actually um, pay off my debt, make dents into our bills, like actually contribute to the household. And then I had the bright idea to move into an RV (laughs) with my ex. And that's how like our world turned around. Um, we were to pay off all of our credit card debt, then our student loans, and then we bought a house. And we were on like a high, I guess, from the social media point of view. Like, oh, yay, they've done all these things. They paid off over $100,000 in debt. We had already crossed that 100k net worth. And so it seemed like, you know, I had to actually move from pennies to wealth wealth in terms of money, wealth in terms of love and all of that. And then here comes, you know, (laughs) a divorce. And I, I tell people this because you always know, like, it's not something sudden. I mean, I'm sure in certain situations, it could be a sudden thing, but you can feel like a breakup coming. You can feel change happening. Um, But I still wasn't prepared for it. I don't think anyone is. I think You're right that we can definitely tell with our spidey senses and Mm -hmm. we're thinking, you know, this is probably not the right person for me. I think it takes a lot of people some time to really go through those emotions of acceptance. You know, for me, I had to mentally accept it first and admit that this is just not my person. And that took me about two years from that period of acceptance to actually physically initiating the leave. And I think people have a tendency to get really stuck you know, in relationships, just because you have literally created a life with this person and stomaching the idea of having to separate from all of that and basically rebuild a new life that is completely separate from that person is a lot to ingest and accept. 
So I went through that whole two years of trying to figure out how to strategize leaving, you know, how can I afford it? What is life going to look like without this person? How did you know that it was finally time for you to leave? I swear it was about two years before I actually left, you know, and so you recommend therapy and then you add in more books and you're trying to like put all these band-aid things on the relationship to avoid having to do the work, the work of trying to figure out how to afford to live in California alone or getting even the courage to be by myself. So yeah, it was about two years. Yeah, no, that and that's crazy because same same here, two years. And I also relate to the whole going to therapy. I feel like a lot of women in you like these cishet relationships, they just tend to do all of the emotional heavy lifting. They're the ones going to therapy, Mm -hmm. even though like a lot of us are suggesting, hey, like you should probably go to therapy. And they're like, no. So then you go to therapy to deal with all the the, the emotional and mental damage that is, you know, basically wearing on you by being in a relationship that's not serving you. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole dynamic of emotional codependency. You know, society really conditions us women to feel like we need to have a partner in order to be successful in all avenues of life. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other part, which is the physical codependency. You know, women are made to feel incapable of doing certain things like maintaining their car or feeling unsafe to live alone. And then there's the financial codependency, which is after moving in together or getting married, it becomes easier to do things when you have a partner, like purchasing a home or, you know, getting a bigger apartment and separating essentially means that you have to downsize your your lifestyle. And a lot of people see that as a failure or taking a step backward in life. And I know for me, that was definitely a part of my grief that I had to kind of work through during the separation was because we had a home together and I put so much work into it, doing the the DIY home improvement that just became my thing. And we literally made a home together. So for me, having to walk away from that was extremely painful because as an adult, I felt like I was taking several steps back in life. And then also the last part is, you know, when you have a partner and you live with them, you guys both experience what's called like a lifestyle creep. So because you have all of this financial or purchasing power together, you now have access to a lifestyle that was not accessible to you as a single person. And having to dial back from that after a separation feels like a huge obstacle because now you have to minimize your lifestyle. You're probably gonna have to get rid of a lot of things in order to accommodate like a smaller living space for one person who can't consume as much and things are just different. Yeah. And I feel like I experienced all of those levels of codependency, especially since I was in that relationship so young, like I didn't have a view of what Danielle looked like outside of a marriage. Like As an adult, I didn't have any of those experiences. So it terrified me. Like, I swear I cried. I probably just stopped crying like a year ago (laughs) because it was just so terrifying. Yeah. Like the financial part, not having like that emotional like support system. So having to let go of all those things and the downsizing was just, that pissed me off. Like I was pissed off by it. You know, I was the only person in my family to own a home and so to like lose that in a sense, like that, it just hurt my feelings. And it just, it just made me mad. Cause I'm like, you could have just fought a little bit harder and I could have kept my house. I could have kept my truck. I could have kept all of these things, but you know, I'm better now because of it. Yeah. And I think that's part of the whole, the grieving cycle of things. It's like, Mm -hmm. you come to that acceptance phase, the initiation phase, then going Mm -hmm. through it, you're like, at first, initially you're super sad. Then you think you're okay. Cause you're like, throwing yourself into work to numb yourself, then you realize you're not, then you're negotiating, then you're angry. And a lot of times it's anger at yourself. You know, it's anger at like, okay, where am I, you know, where did I not take stock in this situation for the longest time? And I'm angry at myself for now being in this situation. I feel like I definitely like your, your story feels very personal to mine. Um, In what ways did you feel like this relationship was holding you back from moving forward in life? Because for me, I definitely felt like that was the biggest thing for me. And how was that for you? (laughs) It was hard. It was really hard. Um, uh, What did that even look like? So I, I recognized that I was putting more energy into trying to save the relationship, pour into this person, support their dreams and their career. And I wasn't getting anything back. And so it felt empty. It felt sad. And 
it was like a little dark too. Yeah. And I didn't like the way I felt in that dark space. And it seemed like it was life or death. Like, okay, do I stay in this relationship or do I get out and just see what happens on my own? And it wasn't like a life or death, like abusive type situation. It was more of a mental <laughs> exhaustion thing for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I can't see a future of me carrying this much longer. And I think that is when, you know, I recognize that yeah I needed to let go to move forward yeah and that's something that I feel like a lot of I feel like women in these in these long-term relationships that aren't serving them anymore I think we have a tendency to really ignore those red flags for me a a lot of that harsh reality was you know I'm a very career-driven person and my business is my baby and my business is everything and I think it is a non-negotiable for me to have a partner who is pushing me to move forward in my dreams. And for me, when I'm in a relationship, and this is something that I need to work on, I lose myself because I'm so devoted and loyal. And it's like, you look at this person and you want to help them Mm -hmm. with everything that they do. I learned in therapy that there is this uh, relationship dynamic called the fixer and the project, (laughs) which uh, I guess I am. I'm the fixer. And I always Mm -hmm. have this tendency to look at my partners as like this project to be fixed. So I would get like this false sense of accomplishment by looking at my partners, trying to help them further their career, their dreams. And I fill their cup without filling mine. That explains my situation perfectly. And, you know, um, I, since I've been out of that relationship for about two years now, I, I think I'm still at a place where I'm trying to figure out like what my dreams are and what I want out of life and what brings me joy because I forgot. Yeah, (laughs) because I was pouring into this other person and I didn't have the time. I guess I did have the time. I just didn't take the time to pour into myself. I think that's like the biggest revelation that you have. I I don't know where I heard this from, but it really, really resonated with me is that you learn the most about love and you learn the most about yourself after love leaves you. Mm. I've had so many revelations after this split. One of them was that I don't even know who I am anymore. And I'm trying to learn who I am right now, reassess my goals and dreams. I was settling so much and I traded my dreams to be with this person. And before I got with my most recent partner that I separated from, I had this big dream of moving back to New York. I was going to move back in my early 20s. But then when I got into this relationship, I wound up staying. And I basically gave up on my dream of moving to the city. And now I'm single. I'm about to be 30. As an adult, I need to go do what I need to do. And so I made the decision now to move to another city. I'm trying to move over to the East Coast by myself. And I know that's scary as hell. That's why, again, I relate to you so much. Being on your own is so scary. Trying to move on your own is even scarier. You feel so much more confident when you have somebody by your side. Yeah. What What did life after the divorce look like for you? You know, tell us about your whole healing journey. What did that look like? I had to find a place to live. Like I couldn't go back home. I didn't have like family or anyone to go back home to. So I had to immediately figure out living situations. The only savings I had was joint savings. I think I took like two or $3,000 out of there just so I could like buy a bed and like, you know, basic things, but I had to start completely over. I, you know, I didn't want to um, have this person be a part of my new beginning. And so I just made that decision to walk away with nothing. And so that was like the first few months I got a new job. I was sleeping on a cot, I think until like three weeks after I started that job until I got my first check. And I was just really just trying to pour into myself. I started going on self dates, which I still do. Um, I started taking myself out to eat, doing the things that, you know, I expected this other person to do for me. And I kept being disappointed by, but then I became, I came out of it, you know, the pandemic happened about two or three months after I moved out on my own. And so that like made me feel more isolated. So that's where my therapist came in. And, you know, I was able to talk to her about the things that I was thinking and feeling and share my anger with her. I cried the entire time, most of those sessions too. And she's like, it's fine. I would have to like change my whole shirt. It was like soaking wet every, every week. (laughs) (laughs) I relate. So timeline wise from you separating to where you're at now emotionally, you know, physically, locationally, and then also financially. 
in a nutshell, how long was that whole process? About two years. Because the first year, like I said, I needed to get out on my own. I started a new job in a new city. I went from a four bedroom house to like a small, tiny Oakland apartment. Like I needed to take time to just deal with life. And then the pandemic smacks me in the face. And now I'm isolated. I can't go to work anymore. So yeah, that took about a year to get through. And I was able to, you know, rebuild my net worth. Now I have a higher net worth than we did when we were together, but that all takes time. And so the first, I guess the first six months to a year was just like rebuilding my mental health and just my self-confidence. Like I left that relationship with no self-confidence. I thought I was like the ugliest person on the planet. Um, so I had to do that stuff, the, the hard work. And then the second year was all about just loving on myself. I went on my first solo international vacation. I just came back from my second one to celebrate my second year anniversary of being single. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm happy about where I'm at, but I think two years ago, I didn't picture it. Like I couldn't see beyond where I was at that time. Yeah. And I, I vibe with that so much. I have this issue with codependency. I'm going to say it because I know that you guys won't admit it, but a lot of us have codependency issues. <laughs> I always kind of leaned on my partners and that was a thing. I have never as an adult been completely independent in all aspects, whether it was emotionally, physically, or financially truly independent. And so now being in this place of being completely single is like thrusting me into the far end of the adulthood spectrum. You have to take care of yourself now in all arenas. And that is really terrifying because you've never had that full weight and that full responsibility of being an adult and taking care of yourself in all these aspects. And that scares the shit out of a lot of people. And realistically in this world, it is difficult to be single and financially survive on your own just because the cost of living is so high, especially if you're on these the coastal states. It is really, really hard. Southern California or like LA specifically is mm-hmm. so hard to financially survive by yourself. I was like, I have to stay in California because there's so much change happening right now yeah. that the one thing that I need to be constant is my environment. So I moved out with a roommate and that actually, when I crunched the numbers, I actually realized that I would be saving so much more money living with a roommate than to be a homeowner with a partner. Because realistically, as much as I wanted to deny it, I was putting so much money on all the renovations, on all the living expenses, Mm -hmm. on all the utilities, on our shared expenses, on just basically everything. And I wound up starting to really dip into my savings, putting everything on my credit cards. So when I moved out, just like you, I wasn't really financially prepared for it. I didn't have an adequate amount of savings. I just left because I was like emotionally, mentally, I'm done. And now physically, I just need to initiate it. And so that scared the hell out of me. I didn't have the amount that I thought that I would need to feel okay with financially separating from a partner. And just to let you guys know, no matter how much money you have in the bank, you're never going to have this feeling of being 100% prepared to leave a long-term relationship. Like that's just the hard fact. You can prepare all you want, but you're still going to have to do the work to emotionally and mentally process the separation. Of course, financially that helps, Mm -hmm. but you got to do the work. So while we're on this topic of codependency in relationships, what are some things that people can do to maintain their independence in a relationship? I would say first to ensure that you have shared goals. And so that can be for like, where do you see your life going? The kids moving in together, all of those things, make sure that you're aligned as well as like the financial goals. When I came into this relationship, um, I was more financially aware than my partner, but since he was the breadwinner, he had the more stable job. He made more than me. We went along with his plan. And then you know, keeping a separate bank account. So I always had my own personal bank account, but all of like my savings and investing, all of that stuff was joint. When it was coming towards, you know, paying off like debt and stuff like that, we were using my income to make all of those moves. And so while he was still like building his 401k with his job and stuff like that, all of my income was going to 
eliminating debt. And I wish I would have actually had an emergency fund for myself, emergency fund for him, an emergency fund for the household. Um, that is one thing that I wish I would have done, which I will do mm-hmm. next time around. I will make sure that I am safe and secure and mm-hmm. not to, you know, prepare for like the ending of my next relationship, but just to make sure that <laughs> I can stand on my own two feet if anything happens. Um, so that is like, you know, one of the main things, ensure that you're continuing to have your own separate accounts, your own separate financial goals, life goals, do not stop doing the things that you love just because you have this handsome, sexy man sitting over there entertaining you. (laughs) Just don't do it. It's a trick. (laughs) It's a trap. It's it's a trap. (laughs) Make sure that, you know, you're still hanging out with your friends. You're still like, you know, doing whatever brings you joy. Yeah. Those are all of the main things that I would just encourage anyone. And, you know, I'm encouraging myself to do that as well now, because when you settle for so long, your brain is <laughs> a little miswired, yeah. you know? And so you still like sometimes go default back to that. Oh, well, okay. Maybe we don't align. You know, he does do X, Y, and Z, so it'll be okay. But I always tell my friends, the small things become big things over time. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it because my I was in that relationship almost 10 years. And so the little things that I ignored at the beginning, they just grew and grew and grew. And that's, you know, comes from maturity as well. Of course, some people can grow and become better. But at this point in our lives, life is too short. If you see something that you don't like, just move on, honey. It's okay. There's so much. And I think like the financial part is just one of the, you know, the areas in which we need to really face fully, fully like with, 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 I guess, like an adult approach, like a Mm -hmm. very mature approach, because a lot of people, they don't talk about finances in relationships. And I don't know if this is kind of like an older generation kind of mindset is Mm -hmm. that, um, I guess having your, your finances separate creates like a lack of trust or it's cynical. And like you said, I don't like, it's not cynical. It's not you anticipating the break of a relationship. It's you safeguarding yourself so Mm -hmm. that if anything ever to happen, you're not financially codependent on this person. And it's, it's easier for you to leave. It's healthier for you to leave. Exactly. You know, cause I know a lot of people realistically, sometimes we stay in relationships because financially we cannot afford to separate. Mm-hmm. that's the hard reality of it. And so this is all the more reason for you guys to stay focused on your financial goals separately and together to have these conversations about finances, because you can have a partner who makes a lot of money, but if they're terrible at saving and investing it, that's going to be a problem. Like we need to have these discussions with these partners. Money should not be a taboo topic. Completely agree. <laughs> yeah. I guess on the topic of, you know, exiting relationships, You know, I just I want to reemphasize you guys that there is never a right time to leave a relationship. And I think a lot of us who are very logically oriented, who think with their brains before their heart, there's always this idea that like, oh, when I save up X amount of money or when I get this job promotion or when this, that or the other happens, that's when I'll leave. But if this relationship is draining you emotionally, mentally or for whatever reason is not filling your cup you have to like leave, you have to leave. And for me, it was just, it was literally the worst time in my life that I could leave. You know, I, you know, developed chronic illness. It was really difficult. Then I had this fear of, I don't know if I can physically take care of myself, not only financially, but physically, I don't know if I can handle being alone. And that was something that I needed to take stock of. And, you know, like I remember for you with your story, what you had um, told me is that you were actually, um, you just quit your job to go back to school when you split. Yep. So <laughs> all these stories about like, you know, having to drain through your savings to leave. So like, let's talk about that. Let's 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 talk about all this. It was not the right time at all, but it was never the right time. You know, every time I would think about wanting to leave, something would happen. Like we had a death in the family. And so I'm like, okay, you know, he needs me mm-hmm. or vice versa. I'm sick and I, you know, I need Mm -hmm. him. And so it was always like these little things happening that just prolonged the relationship from, you know, lasting two years to almost 10 years. Um, And so, yeah, I had decided to quit my, we decided for me to quit my job and, you know, I was learning how to code and I was just going to change my career trajectory. 
And I had that, this is it, I am done moment. And unfortunately, at that moment, I didn't have a job. I didn't have sufficient savings to move out on my own in the Bay Area. But I figured it out because I knew that that was time. Like, Mm -hmm. that was then my time to leave. Of course, on paper, it wasn't perfect. But I figured it out. I, I had to put down on paper, what do I need to survive? And where do I need to go? Like, I was doing job interviews almost two hours away from where I was actually living because I just knew the salaries were higher there. I knew I had to find the highest salary that I could to live on my own in that area. And, you know, with time I did it, but I knew that I could not stay there any longer. You know, that's, everyone gets at that, gets to that point where they're like, okay, this is really it. Yeah. And that's hard because I think when you're separating, like all you want to focus on is like the pain, the suffering. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to process. But then the reality is, is that you're not only emotionally separating from this person, you're physically separating. So you need to be able to financially withstand that separation. And kind of like what you were saying was that you had to go find a higher paying job. And then you had, you know, your debt that you also had to deal with too. You had your lack of savings and having to basically financially rebuild yourself. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, that's, you know, of course, a theme that a lot of people are going through. That's what I'm going through you know, find out how much money you need to save to move out. If you guys are living with your partners, you need to open up those spreadsheets. I know that (laughs) a lot of people don't like to do them, but you need to figure out the numbers because the numbers say everything. Are you going to be able to make this move or not? And then how, how can we make this move if you're not currently able to get a job, side hustle, how much debt do you have to pay off before you feel like you can be comfortable living on your own? You know, you're going to have to make sacrifices, sell your car, be willing to relocate somewhere cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like how many times did you move after after the, the divorce? I moved three times in that two year span, twice in one year, actually. It was wild. But, you know, one time was just for me to get out. And then the other one was for me to, you know, start doing the things that I needed to rebuild like my mental health. And so my Oakland apartment had no windows. It faced the wall. Like it was super dark in there the entire time. Like (laughs) I found like the the best, cheapest apartment that I could Mm -hmm. find. Um, (laughs) And then I was like, Hey, you know, I'm getting more stable now. I'm working from home. I need a better place to move. And so then I moved an hour, another direction to get more space, to get more windows, to see trees instead of like a wall. (laughs) And (laughs) And then recently I was able to move back closer to like my family. And, you know, now that's me, you know, just trying to improve my social situation because I was isolated for so long and, you know, everything just takes time. Some people are lucky. They could leave their relationship and immediately be in like a similar environment and have all of these people surrounding them, supporting them. But for me, I didn't have that. I had to do it baby steps. I, I couldn't move. To North Carolina from California immediately. Like it just was not going to happen. I didn't have yeah. the money. Um, and so I just did the things that I could do when I got the funds um, necessary to do them. So I just want to encourage people to, you know, remember that everything's temporary. It's going to take time to get to where you want to be, especially if you're transitioning and you were living with someone and your lives were intertwined. It's not going to be like all magical and rainbows and unicorns as soon as you walk out the door, but it will in time and with like work and patience. Yeah. And then you also mentioned that you um, had to basically go find a higher paying job in order for you to get to those financial goals faster. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, also for me too, I'm in that same situation where I'm like, okay, I can scrape by right now. Like I have all my basic needs accounted for, but am I truly hitting my financial goals? No. And so, you know, that's also something that everybody needs to really take responsibility for is it's going to be a little bit harder, if not so much more harder to hit those financial goals when you're alone. And so you're going to need that flexibility and the willingness to find a better paying job so that you can really appropriately adjust. Like there's just going to be sacrifices they're going to have to be made. Also, like one of, you know, the key things during a separation too, I also want to get into, you know, the whole discussing it with your partner, (laughs) because I know that sometimes, you know, when you are in this disagreement phase with your partner, someone's mad at the other, you know, for initiating the split. Sometimes we don't want to talk, but I think that's so important. 
discussing your time frame and be willing to compromise in some areas having those mature discussions even though you want to be petty and <laughs> make everything worse but that willingness to talk to be calm and be civil because you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot make them angry and then make your living situation even worse and more painful or awkward than it needs to be i related that so much because you know i decided to get a divorce that April, I didn't move out until November. So of course I needed to have a discussion. We both own that home, but it's like, okay, what is this going to look like? But we had to figure out, you know, how are we going to live our lives knowing that, you know, this relationship is now over. Um, And of course, if you are in like a violent situation, you're going to have to make different decisions. Of course, that is like, you need to get out immediately. But with my situation, since he wasn't abusive, he was still a cool guy, just not for me. We we made it work for that very long time. <laughs> yeah. And for me too, I, I resonate with that because there was about three months where we still had to cohabitate. I moved out into the guest bedroom um, just, you know, to keep that boundary and to make it feel very final that there is no going back. Because I think a lot of the things too, is that you're, when you're, when you're separating from somebody that you live with. The one person or the other, there, there's always going to be that whole lingering feeling of like, hmm, you know, maybe we could get back. Maybe we can make up. Maybe I can, you know, kind of crawl into their bed and, you know, make <laughs> make up for whatever reason. No, lock the door. <laughs> yeah. So being able to have that discussion and just having to create healthy boundaries while you guys are still cohabitating, I think is so important. And I know that can be difficult because you're seeing this other person who is hurting just as much as you are. And your, your knee jerk reaction is like, I want to comfort this person, but it's no longer in your place if you're separating. Um, that's where instead of coming back to that person to cry about them and why the relationship isn't working, leaning on your social circles for support is so key. Go hang out with your friends more, spend more time outside of the house, you know, um, be more social and open to making new friendships and things like that. You know, consider therapy, you know, so that you can cope and have the safe place to really talk about what's going on in your life. And don't put a time frame on healing because healing is just not linear. So, yeah, just understand and having this compassion for yourself that you're going through all of the emotions on the spectrum because you're human. Just being easy on yourself, I think, is like one of the the biggest survival tactics of like navigating through a breakup because I think a lot of people can be really really hard on themselves during that time I don't know I just feel like there's going to be a lot of lessons learned about love and relationships after separating and one of the biggest responsibilities that I had to learn was pouring into my own cup having these date nights alone what I've been doing is like going out and like being okay with doing things alone Yeah, I was terrified to go out. I think the first thing I did was go see a movie and I chose like a kid movie just so I wouldn't look weird. Like, you know, (laughs) and I was like, okay, this is good. Like, this is my first like solo movie. And then, you know, with the eating out by myself, it's like, okay, first time I'm going to sit at the bar so I don't look like a weirdo at the table. (laughs) And then, you know, over (laughs) the next few months, I started moving closer and closer to like, give me a table. Yes, take the extra cup and the get that shit out of my face (laughs) yeah like get that out of my face (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so now I'm like I have no problem telling someone yes just for one table for one or catching flights by myself or going on luxury vacations at resorts with a ton of couples roaming around Now I do it all, but yeah, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, baby steps. Like, you know, I think a lot of people really focus on like, oh man, I'm going to be alone. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you can still say the same phrase with a different emphasis. Like, oh man, I'm going to be alone. And that's like a relief because, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't take advantage of while we're single. Even something as simple <laughs> as being able to fart in peace. <laughs> is like so liberating like being able to sleep in bed and have your limbs fully extended and you don't have to worry about sharing this bed with a person you don't have to consider prioritizing the comfort of somebody else for once you can literally be selfish and just do whatever the hell you want Mm -hmm. we don't take advantage of those little things that bring us joy knowing that we can like fully i guess for lack of a better word unbutton our jeans it's not bad being single it's actually really great being single 
And I always think now I'm like, oh my gosh, I love living alone so much. Like how am I, like, how would I ever fit someone in here again? Like, like I have a walk-in closet and I have taken it all the way over. So like, where are you going to (laughs) go? The corner. (laughs) That's something that I, I have learned that I really value, even though, you know, I was sharing a home with my last partner he was working so much that I essentially was spending all this time alone. And I work from home too. So I spent a lot of time in solitude. And although like I had this feeling of loneliness because I had this expectation that my partner would spend more time with me, I really did enjoy that solitude and the privacy that comes with having a place to call your own. So I'm looking forward to having an apartment by myself, you know, having this big old master bedroom to myself, Mm -hmm. having a full walk-in closet that could accommodate all of my stuff. I can walk around booty, butt ass naked and not have any (laughs) judgments. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be liberating. And these are, you know, this is a really great way to reframe separation, but you're going to get to this place where you really are going to step into that and really believe it. And it doesn't feel like that at first, but eventually you will rebuild yourself and you'll be ready to kind of re-enter the world as a new person. And I saw that with you and it was just really great. So I think that you were literally just this beacon of light for a lot of people who are either going through it right now or know that they need to go through it, but they just have not pulled the trigger yet. Yes. My mom even just told me, she told me the other day, she's like, you know, I live vicariously through you now. Like you, you make me so proud. Like you're doing these things on your own that I would be terrified to do. And that just like, touched my heart for her to like see that you know I'm trying to turn the situation around like of course I never wanted to get divorced or be on my own but to like find myself and be doing the things that I genuinely love to be like I sit in here and I laugh at myself all the time like I have the best time now and I'm just just genuinely happy (laughs) and you know a lot of people can't say the same thing because they're settling in whatever area. And so we talk about breakups in terms of relationships, but some people just need to break up with their job or they need to break up with a friend or a parent. Sometimes we can break up with a lot of things, bad habits. And so just really sit there and consider like, is this it? Is this as happy as I can be? And what are the things that I need to do to, you know, improve my situation. And that's exactly what I did. And not only did I have a divorce, but I left a lot of things. I left a lot of mindsets. I left a lot of bad habits. I left so much. And that is a painful journey, but I I would not have it any other way. Like I am such a better person now. (laughs) Yeah. And actually something that you said, definitely like I I vibe with, um, you know, it's not just you leaving a romantic commitment with a partner. Mm -hmm. It's learning that you commit to a lot of other things in life. You commit to habits, whether they're good or bad. You commit to relationships, whether they are romantic, you know, friend relationships, or even relationships with your family. You know, you commit to those things. You are committing to Mm -hmm. jobs and every single thing that you commit to, you need to take great care and consideration as to whether or not those commitments are either giving to you or taking away from you because nothing in life is neutral. No connection, no commitment is ever neutral. It is either taking away or it is giving back. And that is something in relationships Mm -hmm. when you exit a relationship because it's forcing you to basically audit every single aspect of your life. And you're basically like cleaning up house. Okay, what else can I get rid of that's not serving me? You just like, you might as well just clean the whole entire house up. And it hurts. It's a painful thing. Like I, I did not expect that. Like, you know, I was already going through a divorce, but I didn't expect to like lose mm-hmm. other things yeah. as well. <laughs> I think I, t- I grieved more over that than like the whole guy part. It was like everything else that happened after the fact that I was just shocked by because you're healing you, you are, you know, healing parts of yourselves that allowed you to be in that relationship. And then it's bound to affect other areas of your life. And I just was not ready. Right. And, you know, I'm finally understanding why a lot of people are saying like, when you're fresh out of relationship, focus on yourself and don't try to jump into another one. I know it's like really tempting to kind of like really fill that void of, you know, the, the absence of that person. Yeah. But you realize that when you do enter into that dating arena so quickly, nine times out of 10, it doesn't pan out the way that you expect it to. 
a lot of people tend to really kind of dive into these things called situationships. (laughs) I think, you know, it's like, again, when you're out of these long-term relationships, you, you learn a lot about what what you want in a relationship. You learn a lot about yourself as a partner, what your dating language is, what your love language is. And, you know, carrying that on, if you you haven't really done that inner reflection of like who you are when you're in a relationship and you start dating again, you have no idea what you're bringing to the table and you have no idea what you want. And then it gets you into these messy little situationships. And it's just, it's such a wreck. (laughs) We spill the tea on like what your dating experience has been like after, after the divorce, like how long did it take for you to feel comfortable again? Did you have any like weird situations, (laughs) situationships? (laughs) Yes, I did end up in a situationship. <laughs> and, you know, I think, so yeah, I think it was like six months after, um, you know, I decided like this relationship is over, but I met him right when I was like starting my new job and transitioning to like my own place and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, I, I shouldn't have been talking to anyone. I was not emotionally stable at all, but this person had qualities that I had wanted in the past relationship so I kept them around and of course it ended Mm -hmm. crash and burn because there wasn't any like commitment there wasn't any clarity on where it was going but I enjoyed it I don't think it was a bad bad thing right right I I learned so much about dating you know I had been in, in my marriage since I was 21 And so to have this new and fresh relationship showed a different side of me. It's like, okay, you can have adventure and be loved on and all of this other. I also got in a little situationship too. And it was great. Just like what you were saying was like, (laughs) it was very fun. It taught me so much about myself. It also taught me where I was falling short in relationships and what I needed to work on as a single person before I'm ever ready to jump back into a committed relationship because Mm -hmm. I realized that I was really hurting and I wasn't capable of giving into this relationship in a way that I really wanted to. I was not capable of showing up for this person because I couldn't even show up for myself. And that was so painful. That little situationship was like more painful than actually me leaving this extended relationship because it was like, you get that rush and that thrill and that excitement again. You get that hope where it's like, oh, here's this new person. Like they check off all the boxes. It's my dream person. I want them to be my person. And then you realize that there are so many issues that you haven't addressed yet. And you're bringing all these unhealthy patterns. And now you're putting that shit on somebody else because I'm not ready yet. You know what I mean? So I think that's like a hard reality that a lot of people don't want to admit, but you're in this place of just basically being bankrupt in all arenas. And you really need to quite figuratively, quite literally pour back into your own cup before you start dating and getting somebody involved in your mess. (laughs) Please learn from our mistakes. (laughs) Learn from our mistakes because it is so messy. You fall for another person and then it's just like, you feel like the rug gets like pulled underneath you, mm-hmm. right? And I actually decided to leave that situation, although it was going well. I I recognized that I kept trying to blame the situationship guys. Like, oh, you're not emotionally available. Like, I want a title. Like, I need to define this thing. Um, and then I realized he was just marrying back my unavailability emotionally and mentally I wasn't available I was still like texting my ex like mean things or just (laughs) being pissed off (laughs) she was being toxic (laughs) no (laughs) like he would just say like something to me and I'm like ah it's your fault you ruined my life so yeah I was still crying over this dude I had no business like even entertaining this guy, but I was trying to put that on him. Like, oh, it's your fault that it's not progressing or it's this and it's Mm -hmm. that. I was like, wait a minute. No, it's me. And as soon as I let him go, I just poured right into myself. Um, There's like books that I love that I dove into. That's when I got a therapist finally. So yeah, I got the situation before the therapist. (laughs) (laughs) We we use a situation to heal ourselves. (laughs) I get it. I get it, girl. (laughs) when we're talking about like needs and like 
self-fulfillment, we cannot expect somebody else to do that, even if they're this amazing person. And that was like what was hard about the situationship is this person had all these qualities that I wanted in a partner. I was like, literally, I want that person to be my person. And then we had so many issues because like you were saying, is that they were reflecting back at me all of the areas that I was still lacking in. This person had so many qualities that I really wanted in myself. They had their financial game together. I was projecting that need for financial independence on that person when I should have been able to basically have that for myself first. I mean, of course, that is attractive. That's a quality that I find attractive in a potential partner, but I need to be able to have that for myself. I wouldn't feel right dating again unless I had my financial game together. As a woman, I do not want a man to pay for everything. And I want to have that kind of financial independence so that I never find myself in that situation again. Even if the guy is a gentleman, even if he's offering to pay for things, I would feel like I'm at peace if I financially Mm -hmm. am stable on my own before I can start dating again, because dating is expensive and people don't talk about that. And it's like, I am too broke to afford dating right now. I cannot afford to be in a relationship right now. I am emotionally broke. I am mentally broke (laughs) and I am financially broke. Why do we have any business being in a relationship when we're in that state? For the next guy, for me, they need to have their financial shit together. They need to be working towards eliminating debt, investing in their future, you know, talking about early retirement on top of all the chivalrous qualities I want in a romantic partner, on top of working on his personal growth mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And I'm not quite there yet myself in all of those things. So I can't say that I am ready for this man or woman to show up in my life because I'm currently a mess myself. So like, I'm not going to even be available to claim that. I, uh. We have like so many similarities. Like I want the same thing. (laughs) And, you know, I, I recently started dating like more seriously, Mm -hmm. not with any one person, but like actually just being available today. (laughs) (laughs) And I've realized I'm so clear now. Like I'm so clear on the things that I want and don't want that it's a little hard out here in the world, but you know, I, I do want that partner who is emotionally mature. Mm-hmm. I want to feel safe and not like a macho man safety, but I want to be safe to be myself, to be able to share my dreams and my random thoughts. Right. And <laughs> I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, but for women who are financially stable and you get to a point where you are secure. I ran into quite a few men who take that as a threat and it's sad. It's unfortunate. And, it, and, you know, I've even asked the guy, like, would it be better if I was struggling still like, or unhappy and, you know, trying to just navigate that and understand that it's not me and that my person is out there. If he is still out there, I don't know where the hell he is. Okay. He should show up soon. Um, but, <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> you know, just trying to learn all of these things about life because you can have your, your, qualities that you look for and your boundaries and standards, all of that good stuff. But, you know, you have to meet someone who's on the same page with you. And old me used to force people to fit into my box. And now I have to like release those people. And so I'm still learning, even in this new dating world, it's fun. It's cute. It's expensive. Like you said, I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have to like do all these things? (laughs) And you know, it's it's crazy to me that there's so men who really get threatened by you having your financial independence, because it's like, that is just like one manifestation of toxic masculinity is there are certain men in this world who put so much of their self-worth in their ability to be a provider, which is really outdated. And it's so toxic to women because it creates that pattern of codependency. It's not healthy for either person. There's pressure on this man to be the provider and that's all he's worth. And there's pressure on this woman to be codependent. And then once the relationship blows up in their face, she has nothing after that. It's not healthy for either person. And what's crazy and For me also to not be a Debbie Downer, but this is also truth. The more that you get to know yourself, the harder it is to find a partner who has all of the qualities that you want. Because you become like when you really spend time with yourself, you become so specific and you become so 
um, self-aware of all of the good qualities that you have within yourself and also all the things that you need to work on within yourself that when you look at other people, it becomes so so much easier to see people for exactly who they are with this complete clarity that where mm-hmm. if you were 10 years ago, you saw this guy and you would be like, oh my God, I love him. I want to marry him. And now you 10 years later, you're like, he's attractive, but he's not partner material. And that's all the more reason to really focus on your own independence so that you don't feel this innate feeling of like wanting, like Mm -hmm. you're not whole unless you have somebody by your side. Like you need to be able to have that like sense of self-fulfillment and that pride for yourself and have those qualities in yourself before you go chasing other people. (laughs) I I saw this quote again. I don't quote me. I don't know where this came from, but women (laughs) with money have more choices and louder voices. And I think that is definitely a hundred percent true. So if you want to get back to dating, focus on the bag. I know that seems very unrelated, but it is true. Having that financial freedom will unlock so many parts of your life that were unavailable to you because you were depending on a partner to access those things. And I like I just recently like I just recently stopped talking to a guy because he thought the things that he did for me like automatically meant that there was a connection. Like he thought, okay, if I take her on XYZ date or buy this, like, oh, I bought you flowers. Like he literally said that, like, I bought you flowers every time I saw you. And I'm like, I can buy my own flowers. You are an asshole, you know, (laughs) Like, like, you know, the things that you do for me financially does not override like the issues that I'm presenting to you. And so when you do have money, you can say, this does not suit me. This is not a good situation. And I can just simply walk away. Yeah, flowers are cute, but girl, go to the grocery store and buy your own flowers. Right, and that's also like these physical gifts do not make up for your inability Mm -hmm. to show up as a healthy partner. That's that that toxic Mm -hmm. masculinity again, where it's like their worth is basically in how they can financially provide for you, whether it is literal cash money or giving you material Mm. things that have worth on them. And I think a lot of guys also need to realize like, this is not us being, for lack of a better word, ungrateful bitches. We are putting so much more value on other aspects of a relationship and we don't need your gifts. And we need you to show up as a healthy, emotionally available kind of man right? That's what we're looking for. We don't need your flowers. We don't need your extravagant dinners. We can buy all that for ourselves. And that's again, (laughs) why ladies, I am emphasizing that if you want to date, you Mm -hmm. need to financially get yourself in a place where you can do all those things for yourself. So you're never going to find yourself stuck in a relationship where you need a man in order to get those things, get your financial shit together. And, and your life is going to change as a woman. It will. I went from, you know, holding on for almost 10 years to about six months to now it's like 24 hours. So I just let you go because, you know, not only do I have better discernment, but I am secure within myself. So I can make those decisions and say, okay, this is not right for me. I can move on. Something better is on the way. And if it's not, I'm enjoying my time. And, you know, you just have to remember that you can get to that point and you don't have to settle, even if everyone around you is settling. (laughs) And it is really us as trailblazers to really kind of pave the way of what kind of relationship we want to be moving into. And for me, that's healthy. That is financially secure. Mm -hmm. That is emotionally interdependent. And, Mm -hmm. you know, being with a person who allows me to move forward with my goals and dreams in a way that doesn't threaten them. Mm -hmm. If those things aren't satisfied, then it's not worth, I guess, emotionally investing in that person. And I just, in the meantime, just keep focusing on myself, keep focusing on getting the bag and we'll see what the future is in store. With that being said, what are your future plans now moving forward? Um, I feel like I'm in a good space, but like I mentioned earlier, I'm still trying to remember, you know, the things that I love to do, not only for like just fun, but my vision for my life, because my, my vision was tied to this other person. And so now that I am at a like financially stable space, I feel like I've done a lot of healing and growing and that will never stop. Mm -hmm. I really am looking at, you know, where do I want to go in my career? this is my survival job. I got the job that I'm currently in. I got that to survive and get out of my marriage, but it doesn't mean that it's like pouring in to me the way that I expect for it to be. And so that's where I'm focusing right now, just moving into a career path that like 
gives me joy. I know that's like cliche and a millennial thing to say, <laughs> but <laughs> I do want to be happy at work and not stressed and yeah. tired um, all the time. <laughs> so focusing on that and then traveling, I do want to do more traveling as the world opens up and just exploring things that I've put on hold for so long. And, you know, I never want to regret waiting. I don't want to be that single girl who's just waiting for someone to show up and then I'll live my life. Like I want to live my life and they just find me doing that. And then we can go carry on and do things together. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's where I'm currently at. Oh, what about you? Look at me. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm not quite there yet, but yeah, like, um, so for me, I am, I've set some pretty big lofty mm-hmm. goals for myself. So one of them is again, trying to find a job um, so that I can really use that income to not only invest in my future, I really want to get into investing because I don't want to, you know, chase paychecks for the rest of my life. And then also use that money to also funnel into my own personal business. Because I feel like, as I guess, like heroic or, or brave as it is to, you know, be your own entrepreneur, sometimes it comes with those risks, it comes with those hard, rough bumps in the road. And me acknowledging that going through those hoops, those hoops and hurdles as a single person is a lot harder to financially withstand. So for me, just taking that responsibility of like safeguarding myself financially, getting that job so I can get, you know, the medical benefits too, you know, 401k, you know, just like the the grown up stuff that I was refusing to really kind of um, do for the longest time, because I just really want to focus on my business. And then I am giving myself a deadline in, in, in five months, I will be moving back to the East Coast because I just kind of feel like I've been on the West Coast my whole life. There's really nothing else here for me to explore. And I feel like having that pressure of being in a new environment is going to really push me to not stay stagnant and to really kind of fuel, fuel me to move forward with my dreams. So I'm moving to the East Coast, I am claiming it. Yeah. I get scared. I wake up every day with anxiety, but also like I know that when I am under pressure, I do great things. And I feel like I, I need that pressure in order for me to just really start moving forward in life again. So that's currently where I'm at. I don't have time to date. I, I learned that the hard way. Like <laughs> when I went on Tinder, I started talking to this guy and I literally started crying to him about another guy. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I have no business dating. That was like my learning lesson, like focus on yourself. So that's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing right now. Just focusing on my finances. And that is like my one and only goal for right now is just getting myself into this place where I'm financially comfortable. I am not worried about money. And then we will go from there. So that's, that's my plan. I love that plan. Um, you know, I see you thriving and just mm-hmm. single looks good on you. And I, I want to get to that place where single looks good on me too. Single should look good on everybody. So. It should. It's so, like, I think I'm like the sexiest person alive now. Like, I, like I'm like, dang girl, you're so fine. Like, so I am like yes. living it up and dating myself to the fullest. Yes. It's almost annoying. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's healthy. That's what it is. It's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it's annoying to other people who are unhealthy, but it's healthy. That's that's why they don't like it because they are unhealed and they are unhinged. Yeah. So. But you will get there. I can't wait to see you in New York, Yay. thriving, investing, just living your life like you deserve it. Yeah, exactly. So we don't <laughs> we don't need relationships that are holding us back, y'all. Like, come on, break up with him. <laughs> Please, please, please. So if, if you guys felt like this, this was something that you needed to hear, you know, I want you to let us know, contact us, you know, on Instagram. So my handle, of course, is at the baller in a budget. And then um, Danny's is at pennies to wealth. You know, you can also find her on her website, which is www.pennies to wealth.com. Um, Danny, where else can we find you online? Or is it just mainly your Instagram and your website? Yeah, those two things. And if you know you want to download a free spreadsheet, start thinking about like what that even looks like outside of your relationship or whatever situation you're in. I'm looking forward to chat. I'm always talking to people who are in transition from job transitions, relationship transitions. So definitely slide in my DMs. <laughs> so if you guys felt like this. Um, you know, episode resonated with you. If you feel inspired to take action to move out of a relationship that is no longer serving you, everything is linked in the show notes. Um, If you guys really like this episode, please don't forget to rate it on 
Apple Podcasts so that, you know, we can get more people who need to hear these kinds of messages across our podcasts. So that is it for today. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed this one, please leave us a review on iTunes so we can keep producing more episodes for you to listen to. And the conversation doesn't end here. If you had any great takeaways from today that you'd like to share, post it on Instagram and tag me at the baller on a budget so we can chat. Follow me on Insta if you haven't already or subscribe to my newsletter at www.theballeronabudget.com so we can stay connected. We'll be back with another episode soon. But until then, keep ballin', baller fam. Thank you.